Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Um, and I love that we're just what we were able to do this offseason, bring the guys we were able to bring in. Um, us bringing in Doug and, um, I mean, of course, Trevor Service. He's awesome. So um, I'm just looking forward to, you know, Trevor taking that next step and just us starting to build something special. That is Cam Robinson signed his extension today to stay with the Jaguars for the next few years and maybe even beyond that. He's got a chance now to really sign one of those big deals down the road uh, when he's like 29, 30 years old. And um, maybe that one more big contract even still awaits uh, for Cam Robinson. Brett Martin, Casey Kurtz here on a Monday following the draft, so a lot of draft talk. Uh, get to some of the other teams around the league as well, what they did, how the draft shook out, uh, and... Las Vegas. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with Sewer Weber. He's planning on stopping up. I got my one-on-one conversations coming up with uh, Devin Lloyd and also uh, Trayvon Walker uh, on the way. Let's get to Stephen right now. He's been hanging on the line and uh, wants to talk some football. What's up, man? Hey, not too much. How you doing today, Brent? Good, man. Uh, I got I got two things real quick. Um, and this is just going by uh, Trayvon's uh, press conference, and I know you. I know you don't do that with the number one overall pick, but I could actually kind of see him playing the five technique, like he said, in the three, four, and then you're able to get Devin Lloyd and Chad Moom on the field at the same time because Devin Lloyd played all three linebacker spots at Utah. He just ended his senior year as middle linebacker. And my second question is I wanted to get your thoughts on just the undrafted free agents. We signed 15. And we got a pass catcher, Kevin Austin, out of Notre Dame. Uh, I think he got looked over just because he had one good year of production in a scheme that mostly focused on running the ball. Got 888 yards on 45-plus catches. And then I think the diamond in the rough is the tight end. We got Garrett Prince out of UAB. Had 36 catches, 700 yards with double-digit touchdowns. And with that comment... Tony Khan, you need to do the draft from now on, in my opinion, because you find gems in undrafted free agency. Yeah, that's where he does help out quite a bit. Thanks, uh, Stephen. Appreciate the call. Um, you know, the undrafted free agents, like this is one thing I, I say this annually. People get people love the undrafted free agents. They get really jacked up about it. They get excited about it. I'm like, hey, they got undrafted for a reason. Now, there's some of the coolest stories, and we have one on the roster right now, James Robinson, undrafted guy, and look what he's done. Look how he's produced. And so you can find those diamonds in the rough. And Tony Khan, by the way, has been very good. Uh, think about a guy like James, a guy like Corey Grant. This is where he kind of comes into the draft fold. I don't know how involved he was this year. I'm assuming he was again, but he's done a good job there. Kevin Austin, kid, we saw him play at Notre Dame a lot. Uh, I got a lot of family that's Notre Dame fans, so he'll catch a lot of those games. And, yeah, I like it. But, again, you're asked, I'm not going to go get over the moon about an undrafted guy because I'm going to immediately say, okay, why well, wasn't he drafting like the fourth round if you think he can make an impact? So I hope some of these guys blossom. Uh, the kid out of Wachita, is it, uh, Baptist? A lot of people like him. And intriguing. I can see why you go undrafted out of a Division II school. But can you be like this diamond in the rough? Absolutely, I think you can. So it's um, something to keep an eye on. I think it's a fun part of camp. I think it's fun when some of these guys make the team. Usually we have one, maybe two. Uh, but I... I just don't put a lot of stock in what they just did over the 15 signings of undrafted free agents. We'll see how it unfolds. As for Trayvon Walker, it's a great question. Uh, 
because I think we will see that look. And Casey, are we okay with that? Like when we think three, four, we're thinking on the edge. Walker's going to stand tall, right? And and he's going to be on the opposite of Josh Allen. And you're probably going to have like a Lloyd on the interior, and you're going to have uh, a Luicon on the interior. Then you're going to have Fadakasi on an edge, and you're going to have Devon Hamilton. And you're going to have Malcolm Brown, some form of those guys, right? Right. Or maybe you even put Smoot down there on the front on that three. Well. I think Steven's right, and I think they did talk about this, and I think this is where the versatility really comes into play. I think you could get Aluakon, Muma, and then Lloyd on the outside rushing the passer opposite of uh, Josh Allen, and then you have Fadakasi, Hamilton, and, like, Walker as the three in front. Yeah. Like, are we okay, like, if he plays the edge well, it's not really the edge. I mean, he's playing like a gap, two gap, right? Yeah. Um, like, is that okay if he ends up down there on some downs? See, I don't think he's going to be like that all the time. But I think he is going to be there some downs. I mean, that's part of the versatility of this defense. Yeah, I don't hate it, and I, I like it because of what Devin Lloyd can give you. I think they got two guys that can do a lot of things, and when you – when we didn't know what they were going to do at 33, which ended up not being 33, but there was something left to be desired with Walker. But, look, we talked about the stats on Friday. Like, Devin Walker or, uh, Devin Lloyd is a good pass rusher when he got the opportunities at Utah. So, yeah, I do want to see that. I want to see him move around and have opportunities to come get the quarterback. So I, I can easily, very easily, don't even need to be convinced, can get on board with that so we can see Devin Lloyd do that. Then Chad Muma obviously being on the field, it all would make it would make more sense then when you're able to do that kind of thing with Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker. So does that open up the Jags though for criticism if you're taking a guy that's going to be you're actually moving him around to make Lloyd better, and he was your second pick at 27. <laughs> right. Right. You know. So now are you designing the defense for your second first round pick, or the guy that you picked number one overall? Like I wonder if you can be criticized for that. Are you getting? Sure, it might make you better, and that's fine. That's that's the end goal, right? I mean, the end goal is not to be the to make Trayvon Walker a Hall of Famer. The end goal is to make your defense better. Yeah. But I also think that could come with a little criticism if you move him down there and don't stand him up and get after the passer. Yeah, I I agree. They do open. They look everything they did in the draft opened themselves up for criticism, and they're okay with that. But if Devin Lloyd has, I don't know. Eight sacks. Trayvon Walker has eight sacks. Josh or uh, Josh Allen has eight sacks. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? If everyone's contributing, getting to the quarterback, and it's working out to your point, if you're winning and you're getting home, as long as somebody's getting home, that's progress, in my opinion. So obviously the criticism is there, but if it works, it works. All right. So somebody, t- I love this today. Somebody tweeted this out, and this is what I want to see more of because. I think part of the problem we have with these guys that are now here from free agents and now the new draft pick, especially the two first-rounders, is what does the defense look like? like I, I will continuously say Mike Caldwell was a linebackers coach in Tampa when they won the Super Bowl, and those linebackers were awesome in the postseason especially. But those linebackers for the Bucks were terrific. Like, they made that defense next level, and they won in part because of that defense, like a large part because of what that defense was doing. Well, this kid, guy, kid, I don't know, at slot fade, uh, and Demetrius Harvey retweeted them this morning, and I retweeted it. He said he took this 3-3 bear slash odd screenshot. <laughs> Whatever. Like, I, I don't break down football with all the terminology, all right? But he said he tried to guess what Mike Caldwell might deploy as Jaguars DC. I saw this, yeah. 
And so this is what I need more of. Like, I wish I could go sit with Mike Caldwell and he would do this. He would tell me, okay, we're going to put Walker here and this here on some downs, but then we're going to mix it up and do this on other downs. And I think the, the moral of the story that I'll eventually get at is it's not going to be the same on every down, people. Like, that's the thing. Like, this isn't, I think the 4-3 and what we're used to around here and what we played in Jacksonville for so long was pretty traditional on every down. They might try some things. They might hybrid it a little bit. They might slide somebody somewhere else. But it's pretty traditional in the sense of who guys were, who was playing on first and second down, who was playing in pass situations, all the rest. Casey, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think this is going to be a very mixed, more elaborate defensive scheme of what they did with Todd Bowles and what they're going to do with Mike Caldwell under this kind of defense. And if you look at this, this could get you excited. It has Walker. First of all, it has Devon Hamilton playing like the Ndamukong Sue role of like right over the center. Right? Yep. And then it's got Fadakasi split to his right with his hand in the dirt. And then it's got Trayvon Walker next to Devon Hamilton, but standing up. Yes. Then it's got Aluakon in the middle. It's got Lloyd, the linebacker that they just added, standing up on the outside. It's got Josh Allen standing up on the other outside. And then they even have, like, Tyson Campbell close to the line of scrimmage and a couple other guys that you would assume would be like a Cisco or a Jenkins or whatever. But, I mean, you really got to go back and see the picture, and I retweeted it earlier this morning. But basically standing up is Lloyd, Walker, Allen, and hand in the dirt is just Hamilton and Fadakasi. And then you got a Luacon, like, really just playing your traditional linebacker spot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just one look that I could see this happening is my point. Like, you could really – this is not like a 3-4 look. It's not a 4-3 look. They call it a 3-3 look. But it, it just goes to show you that there could be a lot of variations in this defense. And that's why versatility was king. And if you look at Walker, he's versatile. He could probably go put his hand in the dirt if you want him on a rundown. He could stand up at the line of scrimmage. He could stand off, off at the edge opposite of Josh Allen. And Lloyd can do all of the things a middle linebacker does, but he also can pass rush and stand up too. And to me, that makes sense. What they did with those two picks, the versatility I think we're going to see in this defense from Caldwell and how he wants to mix it up using the skill sets of these players that he now has, I think it makes a lot of sense why they picked those two guys. Yeah. Uh, listen, from, from the picture and kind of seeing it, I love it. You never know who's coming. They're going to move everybody around give, and the rotation uh, with Smoot getting on the field and those guys. Like, I love the idea of that. And, look, if they do, obviously that's a picture from a team that is not this team. So you have to take that into consideration. But if they do those things that we think that they now might do, it's exciting. I, I, I love the idea of it. And then you can even get – if you have smart football players, which I think they do, listening to like a guy like Trayvon Walker, when you hear him talk and understand what he did at Georgia, he was in a complex defense. Devin Lloyd obviously sounds like a smart guy. Chad Muma already wants the playbook. So you have these opportunities, and then who knows what you do. Maybe you have Devin Lloyd standing up, and then you bring him back all of a sudden, and then there goes Aluakon down to rush the pass. Like You can do anything with all these guys that are versatile, and I think it's exciting at the bare minimum just to watch it. 
Hey, we're going to listen to uh, Trayvon Walker, my conversation with him in just a little bit. Also, i got a conversation with Devin Lloyd, so that is coming up. Some more of this talk, and it's hard to paint the picture exactly how this defense will look, but I think versatility is key, and it's up to Caldwell. Like, it's almost uh, – we talked to Shaq Griffin. We played a little bit of this interview the other day. We played it again last night at Action Sports Shaq's primetime, and he would not reveal it. He's like, this book, this playbook has some things, like, that can be scary. And especially he loved the Walker pick because of it. This was even before they picked Devin Lloyd. And so Shaq Griffin, like, he was a guy that was on record that wanted Walker and how he fit in this defense. And I don't think we can forget that. Aiden Hutchinson might be great. And, and they might have made a bad decision uh, not picking him. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau might be great. We'll find out. But Walker seems to be, and they've said it, and I think if you talk to some of the players about it, like a Shaq Griffin, seems to fit what they're going to try to do in Jacksonville better than those other guys, and we'll see if they're right. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about uh, iCryo. I had a busy weekend, and then Sunday, that was yesterday, I went over to iCryo in St. John's County at the Pavilion at Durban Park, did the... Uh, did the chamber, a little cryotherapy for a few minutes, and uh, it feels so good when you're done. It's a little chilly while you're in there, but it feels so good uh, when you're done. Also tried the red light therapy for the first time uh, in at iCryo, so they have that. A bunch of different lifestyle services, IV infusions, compression, and more. Check them out, iCryo, St. John's County, in the pavilion at Durban Park, and... How about spoiling mom for Mother's Day? If you're looking for something for Mom's Day, they have a special 20% off at iCryo now for moms uh, in a certain package. So uh, I'll let you check that out, investigate it. Go uh, stop by iCryo in St. John's County or just download the app, the iCryo app, and you can set everything up on there. Uh, be a pass holder at iCryo like we are in my family. Uh, Pavilion at Durban Park. It's iCryo. Download the app. Today, I told you we'd uh, listen to Trayvon Walker. I got a chance to catch up with him on Friday. And here's my conversation with a humble young man from Thomaston, Georgia, uh, by way of the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. I got to believe this has been a whirlwind of uh, 24 hours. What's all this excitement about, the attention of you're a humble guy. You say you don't like the cameras, but you're getting plenty of love. Uh, it's been a great experience just to be able to be in this position in the NFL in general and then number one overall pick i was totally speechless uh something i've been dreaming of ever since i was a little kid seven years old and now my dreams finally came true i gotta believe it wouldn't have mattered where you went in the draft or first round or top 10 but to be number one overall pick does it add something to it uh it, it kind of does just because like i said it's something that i've always wanted and uh me i'm the type of person if i want something i'm gonna give it my all to go get it and that's what i did I don't think we've ever heard so much about production and projection. Does any of that talk bother you? Uh, no, it doesn't, just because a lot of people that's doing the talking never play football, never play for different schemes of different teams, so they wouldn't know. But everybody's entitled to their own opinion, so I can't knock them for having their own opinion. Does it give you any chip at all to be like, watch this, wait until I get in a position to make all these plays, you'll see? Uh, see, me, I'm not the type of person to try to please everybody else. I'm going to please me first. Like, you can't try to please somebody else and you not even please yourself. So I'm just going to handle my business, and with me handling my business, that'll just take care of itself. To be honest with you, we don't know what this defense is going to look like. This is a new regime. I'm sure they've talked to you a little bit about it. Is there something in your mind like, hey, this is going to be a pretty good setup for my skill set? I really do feel like it's going to be a great defense this year. Uh, I mean, I'm just getting here as well, so... Uh, it's a lot of young guys, and they're, they're building in the right direction, I feel like. So it's going to be something special coming. You know what it's like to win big. Yes, sir. This organization hasn't won a lot. Do you 
Is, did you take that as a challenge? Do you like the idea of trying to flip this thing around in Jacksonville? Yes, sir, I definitely do. I feel like the type of teammate that I am, I, I love bonding with my team, my teammates. Just getting to know them, the connection, I feel like that plays a big part in your on-the-field play if you have that connection with your guys and you know why your brother played the game of football, not just because of money or whatever. It could be for other reasons. Like, just remind your teammate of that of that reason, of his why, whenever he's slacking, up, slacking off or whatever. And same for me. I want my teammate to tell me when I'm wrong. So it's just that tight bond that you have amongst each other to be able to tell, get those hard things off your chest. Do you have to be a little careful to try to do too much this rookie season? Um, I would say I'm not a guy that tries to do too much anyways. I'm just a person I'm going to do what the coaches asked me to do and leave it at that. I'm going to do my job. That's it. You're a big dude now, 275 pounds, but I get the sense, listen, you talk, you're kind of a mama's boy. I definitely am a mama's boy. <laughs> I can't even tell you a story. I am a mama's boy. <laughs> How much does she mean to you? And, and you've talked about it. Being pretty close to home is kind of a cool thing. Yes, sir. It definitely is. Being four hours from home, uh, I know my mom, she's going to be trying to get to me whenever she can. I don't mind that because, uh, I mean, hey, Everybody wants to be around their family, especially when they haven't been with their family for so long. Uh, I, I definitely don't mind that. One last one for you. We've seen the videos, the workout worries. I mean, it looks like you could kind of bench us and while you're doing a sit-up or something. I mean, what's up with these videos, these, these exotic workouts? I mean, that's just me working out, getting my work in, do what I got to do. Can you impress the NFL guys, your teammates, in the weight room? You say, can I impress them? Yeah. Can you earn respect in the weight room? I def yeah, definitely. I'm not weak, so I mean, I'm going to go in there and handle my business just like everybody else. Good luck here in Jacksonville, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. That's Trayvon Walker. <laughs> I love the end right there, right? I'm not weak. <laughs> yeah, that was good. He's like, hey, now. Um, Trayvon Walker, I, I said this earlier in the show, the Jags vetted out guys more than in the past is what I've been told. What that means exactly, that's hard, right? I mean, how tangible is that? How What is did they really do a deep dive? Listen, they've messed up on guys, though, in that respect. C.J. Henderson, Dante Fowler Jr., go all the way back to Justin Blackman. And I know, again, these aren't all the same people, but they've, heck, even a Telvin Smith now, you know how that played out. Yeah. They, they have messed up on some of that. And, you know, Dave Caldwell used to say, and, and I understood this, he's like, listen, you've got to take some risks sometimes in this business. And that's what he meant. That you have to take some risks in maybe the personality game and and, um, and and maybe some of the traits and some of the, the history. Well, it seemed like when the Jags took risks, it didn't always work out. Like, very few times did they try to take a risk, and it was like, boom, look at that. I think the Jags, and Doug Peterson is this way, he's not going to be too risky with the kind of player and person that they're taking. Uh, I think this totally is different, though, also, Casey, than Gene Smith going to get every captain that ever played. You know, right. this this is not that. You're getting alpha males. You are getting big-time athletes that also seemingly are pretty good young men and are well-grounded. And these two individuals especially got a chance to meet their moms, and you can tell they were raised pretty well. Yeah. You know? Um, and not to say everybody else isn't raised well, all this stuff. People go... Listen, I mean, I got high school kids. People go off the rails in different ways because of different things. Like it's it's, but you can just we say this a lot about Devin Lloyd. Like you can feel that guy. Like he's an impressive young man. You don't really feel Walker like that, but he's got this humility to him. And I just want to go play football. And I love the way he answered, like the chip on the shoulder. Like I don't really need to go impress somebody else. 
I got to impress me first. And if I take care of that, everybody will be impressed, essentially, is what he said. Yeah. So, and I liked his answer to the weight room. He's like, I'm not weak. <laughs> you know? I think these guys have real confidence in their abilities and even how it will shape out in the NFL. Um, but I do think the Jags went after a certain kind of mold this year. And maybe that was a little bit the difference. But Muma certainly fits that same thing I'm explaining. I don't know Fortner as much, but Muma does. So, like, I think if you take the cloth these guys are cut from this year and you take the the Walker, the Lloyd, the Mumas, and linebacker kind of is cut from that cloth usually anyway, I, I think they're similar. And it might give us a little bit of insight on what the Jags did in terms of changing around their process. But I think the key thing that I heard this weekend was they vetted guys out differently and better than maybe they've done in recent years, in recent memory. Um, so maybe that's a good sign for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like the Walker pick. I really do. I know not everybody does, but I'm on the side of yes, I like it. I think he's going to be a beast for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We uh, continue to talk about the draft and other things going on in the world of sports, including a lot happening on the Diamond. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend and off to a good start to the week, everybody. I made some calls and I reached out to teams to ask why. And I think the overwhelming thing was those teams believe that he is at least two years away from the development of really grasping football. I asked this question, Jay, is he a dumb kid? Everybody came back and said, no, he's really smart. We just have to spend so much time getting him up to speed and because you know, he wasn't tasked or asked to do a lot when it came to reading plays out or getting through progressions or owning the line of scrimmage or knowing those things. Every team thinks that he is more than capable. It just takes a lot of repetitions to learn all that stuff. That is Dan Key to the City Orlovsky talking him. about Malik Willis, I'm assuming. Yep, well done. Malik Willis really slipped now in this draft. And, I mean, there were some people that actually thought Malik Willis, if there was any quarterback to go get number one, he might go number one. That's true. Like, very few people thought he'd go number one. But you get my point, like top five, top six, right? Well, that couldn't have been further from the truth. I mean, he goes, what, 83rd, I think, was his pick. And uh, who knows? He might be a terrific player, but he obviously has some development to do. And Tennessee took him. I don't know how I feel about Tennessee coming out of this week. I actually, you know me, I already, like, don't like Tennessee. And I kind of feel like Tennessee might have upset what they have built on what they did in a three-day span. And here's what I mean by that. A.J. Brown, you lose A.J. Brown, what does that say to the locker room? You lose A.J. Brown on the field, well, you're already going to hurt. I don't care. Traylon Burks might be great, but he's not going to be A.J. Brown this year. And what does it say to the locker room that you just got rid of one of your best productive players? And when you were like a number one seed and you've been good the last couple of years and you've been a threat in the AFC to challenge for a Super Bowl. What does it say when you draft Malik Willis? Do eyes start to go over to Willis's locker in that room if Tannehill's not playing up to par? I think it could be really interesting 
what Tennessee looks like, that dynamic, how it plays out, if that potentially comes uh, with some problems. Because the one thing we say about Vrabel is he's really good at the culture part. Well, we'll find out. Because those are potential culture upsetters there in Nashville with what they did this weekend. Heck, it was pretty obvious the head coach wasn't happy when A.J. Brown got moved. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I think to your point that you've made a bunch, like you should always draft a quarterback. So, you know. Yeah. By the way, Malik Willis on our flight to Vegas. I'll jump in with uh, with that little nugget of information. He was on your flight? Sure was, from Atlanta. You weren't on a private jet? I was not on a private jet. He wasn't on a private jet? (laughs) He was not on a private jet. He had a whole family, like 10 folks flying with him. Really? Yep, on Tuesday night. You felt Malik Willis is, they say, he's just a really good dude. Like, you saw the stuff come out of the combine when he when he gave some stuff to the, the man on the street, the homeless man, I think. Um, like, there are stories like that about Malik Willis. Just a really good kid. And that must have been pretty tough. Now, he's going, he's like, might go in the first round. I'm not sure, but I know he didn't imagine going 83rd overall. I mean, he didn't so. give up his seat in the higher, you know, section of the plane, so there's that. You weren't even first class? I was not first class, no. Are you, you're new to this, by the way. What? Action Sports Jacks is not, we're not flying first class. No. At least we're flying. We are flying. We're not, we're not driving anywhere. Twitter is not working for me right now, and it's starting to piss me off. Oh, boy. Angry, angry Twitter letter going down to Elon. I just have bad reception. Uh, I think I, I think they're sending satellites into space to help you with that. Nah, bro, Who's mine's working. Is it? Maybe it's just out here. We've got a lot going on, a lot of people here for the districts. Get off my territory. I need the Twitter. Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber with us. Brent Morton, Casey Kurtz here on a Monday. I like the fact, though, that Tennessee, there might be upset the apple cart a little bit. We'll find out. I'm not so sure. I'm wor- you guys worried about Malik Willis some three years down the road being the future of Tennessee now? They got their guy? It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Um, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that, especially with them being such a, a run-heavy team. Although, how long can that last? You never know. Uh, with running backs, but no, I, I mean, Malik Willis does not scare me, uh, and and he's a guy who we saw plenty of highlights of, by the way, uh, comparatively beforehand because he was throwing it to a couple of local Jacksonville guys the past couple of years at Liberty, in uh, Demario Douglas out of Mandarin and DJ Stubbs from University Christian. So, uh, I've seen quite a few of his highlights against maybe lesser competition at times, but I'm, I'm not worried about Malik Willis. Yeah, listen, I think. Everybody was going to get a quarterback at some point. One of the fun things to talk about the AFC is even with Matt Ryan there now in Indianapolis, with Ryan Tannehill who's had some success, and with Davis Mills, like there's a lot of confidence in Jacksonville that for the next decade we might have the best quarterback in the division. And so it is interesting now that they found potentially a replacement for Ryan Tannehill in Malik Willis, and how good can he be? How good will he be? How dynamic will he be? But keep in mind, over the next three years, like it may take two or three years to even figure out if he's any good. And by that time, Indianapolis probably has their next young quarterback. And Houston might either have Davis Mills who's playing well and, and, and kind of competing with Trevor for that top spot, or they have moved on to a different quarterback. So uh, the landscape certainly can change quite a bit. Uh, Stuart Weber, you were out in Vegas. How good was it? You've been to a lot of these things. What, what, uh, what's the takeaway on Las Vegas hosting the draft? I thought it was good. Uh, I thought it was that, that return to normalcy that we've been wanting. Uh, obviously, I went to last year's in Cleveland, which was kind of like a half measure. So they, they were able to bring back some of the fans, but it wasn't nearly as open and, 
you know, accommodating to folks as we've seen in past years. I know I've gone to the ones in Philly, Chicago, and Dallas. Um, I did not go to Nashville, although I've heard good things about that one. Um, and, you know, I felt like obviously Las Vegas is a place that is designed to host these sort of events. Uh, it's designed to host people from all over the country coming in. And, and I think it was really nice for them to be able to come in to Las Vegas and have things to do when their team wasn't drafting. <laughs> uh, suffice to say, there are plenty of things to do in Las Vegas, no matter what you like doing, be it the, the gambling or the shows or the restaurants or uh, just hanging out in a sports book and watching 30 games at once, which I did for a little bit on Wednesday night and really enjoyed uh, that experience of just being able to relax and, and enjoy many, many TVs with sports on it being being is how we love that. But I, I thought they did a great job with it. Um, it. The layout was good. I was I was very much interested to see how the Bellagio fountain set was going to work. And luckily I found out it was only like the, the red carpet is kind of what they did over at that set. That's They really only did it for the red carpet. Um, and then everything else took place on the main stage where you have the green room. And, and of course, for those who watched our, our coverage on Thursday night, I attended the big-time Jaguars party that you know, the fans held out there with tons of legends, uh, past and present, by the way. Plenty of current players uh, made their way out to that uh, shindig as well. And it, it, was, it was wild. The Jags fans know how to have a good time. Uh, let's say that. So I was, I was glad to see, see them enjoying the revelry. Yeah, I mean, that party is unbelievable. I mean, should that be something that fans now, like, put on their calendar? Be like, hey, it's in Kansas City next year. Look for the Bold City party. And, and yes. I mean, you could see all these people. Like, Trevor was there, right? Yeah, so, uh, so Trevor and a few of the other Jaguars players who had practiced that morning all flew out there uh, after that, you know, that final voluntary session that they had back here at TIA Bank Field. Uh, they made their way out to Vegas to go – mingle with the fans and, and have a good time for a little bit. So, uh, yes, current players, of course, Tony Vaselli was there. We talked to Bruce Smith, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, Freddie T, Jimmy Smith. I mean, that, that was uh, that was quite the party, yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, so my, my point is those guys aren't going unless they're getting paid, and they're getting paid pretty handsomely. So somebody's paying those guys big bucks to go out there. Um, so th there's no expense spared at that point party i mean it's it's pretty amazing uh so you didn't go to nashville i was in nashville nashville i think see if you go back to the history of the draft you have new york for so many years and new york was fun it was great i think a lot of people over the years went to new york and and new york's new york and then it another place chicago. that can host any event at any time yeah and chicago kind of the same way right yep. chicago didn't have chicago is a fantastic city but still doesn't have the feel of new york city all right i mean it's close uh, but it doesn't have that vibe. Second that city field. for a reason. Yeah, so, but it was well done, and it was in a good spot, and there's a lot of, like, right on the lake, and now the weather can be brutal, and uh -huh. it was a couple of times, but there wasn't, like, this buzz like the draft is here. It's almost like, oh, yeah, the draft is here, you know? And then you go to Philly, and then that's where the buzz ratcheted up. Like, Philadelphia, there was 100,000 people around the draft stage, and it was electric. Um, Unless you it, needed cell service for your video yeah, shot to, to be sent back to Jacksonville. <laughs> that, well, then it was not good. Uh, then, Which we ran into some of that in Vegas, by the way. Yeah, well, you will. The way we do operate, like if it's big crowds, it's, it's not always going to work for us. Um, like my cell right now, in fact. My cell really wouldn't have worked in Las Vegas. I don't know what's going on with my cell service. That but, huge, huge Mandarin crowd all running behind you. I mean, what the heck? What is going on here? Don't I pay enough taxes in St. John's County? They get better cell tower. I don't know if taxes cover cell towers. But um, 
whole other show. So Nashville, Nashville is where it like hits another level though. Nashville, they're like, damn, that was a good party. You know, it wasn't like, hey, there was a good pe- a lot of people, blah blah blah. It was like that was a party. And then you were supposed to get Vegas, and Vegas didn't happen. Then you got the pandemic, and you got Cleveland. So now you go back to Vegas. So really, it's like Dallas wasn't that good. I've always said that. Like it didn't feel like it. It feels like Nashville and Vegas are two that they actually could get in the rotation and still share it with other places in NFL markets and cities. But I feel like Vegas and Nashville, uh, Stuart, might be kind of in a rotation of sorts now. Kind of like the Tampa Bays and Miamis and L.A.s will be for Super Bowls and New Orleans because they're in these ideal markets to, to hosting an outdoor football game uh, in the winter time. Well, this is uh, an ideal place to host a party and have a good time. Uh, so, yes, I I could definitely see that. In fact, I had a couple Raiders fans come up to us as we were getting set to do some live shots and say, hey, the draft needs to be here every year. This is how we throw a party. And, you know, I, while I certainly agreed with them on some points, I also, as do you and – um, well, maybe not Roots Chris, but as do you. They, you want to have it here in Jacksonville at some point. So, yes. Um, the people at Roots Chris want your business, so they probably don't want it there. That's true. Uh, that, that big bet that you've made. Many I think years all ago. those. Well, I think all those people that would come into town, they'd get more business than me buying eight steaks for people. It's possible. It is. It is very possible. So they uh, are rooting for it too. Yeah, they might be. Um, but no, I, I do. I do feel like you. I mean, if you end up in some sort of rotational thing, I think it makes sense. It's just. I get, like, head scratchers when I think about it going to Detroit in two years. Um, I just, I don't know. It, maybe it's because I'm coming off of a trip to Vegas where it was, <laughs> and I'm trying yeah, but, to trying to. But think. I, like, I like that it's not going to, like, you don't give up on places like that because then Jacksonville would never get it. Like, Kansas yes. City, right, is not Vegas and it's not Nashville. It's a good city, but it's not those places. And so if you can go, that's why if you put them in a rotation to go, even back to New York from time to time yeah. because that's where it was. So if you, you rotate between Nashville and, and Vegas and, um, and New York City, like the Super Bowl, as you're saying, but you still take the other, let's just say it works as like a, an Olympics. Every four years it ends up in one of those cities. But outside of that, you take the other three years and you rotate it to Detroit and Cleveland and Kansas City and Jacksonville, and you try something and, and have the draft in like South Bend, Indiana at Notre Dame one time or something. You know, whatever it is. Canton. Well, they did the – well – Cleveland they were supposed one. to do Canton with Cleveland, yeah, but they got pandemic. Okay, and it ended um, up just being rainy and cold and awful. Yeah, and bad. So, so anyway, the day before so I- was fine, by the way. The Wednesday <laughs> before the draft was good. It was just with a place like that, you kind of you have to have a a backup plan in case the weather is gonna not cooperate, which it didn't in Cleveland. Yeah, I, so anyway, so I think. I love the draft sites. I really think it's fascinating because I do think Jacksonville, and you, you still think this, right, Stuart? Like, Jacksonville is a perfect setting for it. Uh, once especially some of the stuff downtown is done, you'll have more hotel space. There won't be all the construction. But the Daly's Place and where the stadium is and the flex field and those things that they have there, like, it is an ideal spot. Like, you could still use the arena if you needed to, and it's right there. You could use the baseball grounds if you needed to. Like, there are... Everything is right there from a, from a logistical, how do we pull this off standpoint. The question about Jacksonville is, okay, let's get rid of some of the construction. How much, when's the building going to be done? Um, where can you house everybody? Is there enough fun stuff to do downtown? Uh, and can you get 100,000 people to come over from not just Jacksonville, but down from Georgia, over from uh, Tampa, 
in, from Orlando? Like, will everybody converge on Jacksonville? I think the answer to that is yes. I think they will. Like, I don't think getting the people to Jacksonville is going to be a hard thing. I think it's more, can you throw the party in Jacksonville? When is the town and the city going to be ready to throw the party? But logistics and people, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to the, the entertainment side of it, too, that you were talking about. I mean, Nashville has Broadway. You go down, you go to all those bars and restaurants and listen to some live music. Vegas has Vegas. <laughs> it's got all the casinos and, and the fine dining and the pools and just all that fun stuff. And as far as downtown Jacksonville goes, it needs some work on that, which is why, obviously, you said the development needs needs to kind of move along and, and get to that point where it's fun. But, I mean, you, you can't just expect everyone to all go to Intuition Ale uh, and then a jumbo shrimp game, you know. I mean, so there, there's only so much you can do in that area right now. And one of the nice things has been the proximity to desirable events. Even Cleveland, I feel like, messed that up because when they hosted it, you know, the the stadium is right next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And okay, well that makes sense. Let's get all the people over and they can check out the Hall of Fame. They closed the Hall of Fame during the draft, so you couldn't even go in there because they were using it as the green room for the, the people. So it was like, yeah, that's not well, what, are we, what are we doing? Like, that's one of the, the few things in that little area that you can go to and enjoy. Otherwise, what are you even doing over there? You're looking at the, the concourse of the football stadium? I don't know. Uh, so I have found that the ones that aren't relying on their football stadium footprint as a place to hold it are doing much better. In my opinion, I mean, you look at obviously Vegas, nowhere near the stadium. Uh, you look at Nashville; it was across the river. I know they hosted some prospect events over at the stadium the day before. Uh, Philadelphia had nothing to do with the stadium, and I feel like those are the events, the places that are doing well because you don't need to have it in that you know sports stadium landscape, and then you can incorporate all the other good stuff around it. Yeah, I guess. I guess a question. I mean. You could cut off. You could still use half the stadium or part of the stadium or like the bud zone, but I guess the question is: Does like Daly's place hold enough people? Yeah, um, I'm I'm thinking about it the way the way that they've kind of done it. it. It would just it would be a different feel because so they have this the stage. They, they use the same one every time. It looks like this giant airport hangar. Uh, so yeah. they set up the yeah, stage. And then they just have a small area where they can fit in the, the inner circle people, as they called it, uh, for this last show, where, you know, you get 10 to 20 people from each fan base in this area. Now, it's no longer in the way it used to be where you, you need that table for all the draft people. Like, you don't have to have that right there at the stage. They've kind of moved that off to the side inside a building. Um, but then so you have the inner circle, but then you also have this big walk up area where folks are coming up and they're getting as close as they can to the stage to be able to see it and enjoy it and do it that way. Well, if you do it in Daly's place, you're, you're doing it a little differently because you have actual seating that people can kind of go in and sit in. And I wonder if do you make that like a, you know, come and go, come and go back and forth, because not everyone's going to stand there the whole time. Just like if you go to a rock concert, you're not going to be there for all six hours. You, you'll listen to a band you like. You'll go grab something to eat, you'll come back and work your way back up towards the front if you like it that way. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm curious how that would work. I will also say, by the way, after each day at the draft, they had a different uh, performance on the main stage. So uh, like Thursday night after the first round was over, Weezer performed. Uh, Friday night after those two rounds, second and third, it was Ice Cube. And then on Saturday after all those rounds, uh, Marshmallow, Marshmallow took the stage. Oh. For, for those who are big marshmallow fans out there. <laughs> well, we could do that here. We could, yeah. Yeah. 
We so, go Leonard right. Skinner one night, Limp Biscuit the next night. I guess we don't have to go Jacksonville related, do we? Yeah, we don't really have. But to. we could. We could. Yellow card? They're Jacksonville, right? Maybe for Saturday. I don't know. Um, Toss will, names uh, out there. I've got to, well, stick around for a segment. Uh, it's a short yeah. one coming up, but I got a question. Here's the question: If you could buy a jersey of one of the free agents or draft picks, somebody that's new to the Jacks, who you buy? Jackson Deville. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks. He's not new to the Jacks. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The answer to that question. Still football to f- football at five. Coming up, uh, including my conversation with Devin Lloyd. Maybe he's the answer to this question. Uh, a lot more to get to. Football at five on the way. And whose jersey would you buy out of the newcomers of the Jacksonville Jaguars? That, when we come back on ESPN 690. Hey, if you're like me, you've watched the housing market boom in Northeast Florida recently, especially right down here in St. Johns County. It makes you think about taking advantage of the market if you're selling. What if you could sell your home and skip the hard parts? That'd be nice. You can at opendoor.com. We have changed how we do a lot of things in society, in our world. Well, this is the new way to sell your home, opendoor.com. I went to the website. You answer a couple questions, two, three minutes worth of questions. They send you an offer if you're eligible. That's it. Simple. You're moving next month. You're moving next year. Maybe you're just thinking about moving. Try opendoor.com. It's easy. Skip the hassles and hurdles of listings, showings, and potential obstacles. Just sell it to opendoor at opendoor.com. Hundreds of thousands of homeowners across the country are requesting offers. You can, too. Sell your home and skip the hard parts. Get your free offer at opendoor.com slash myoffer. Offer eligibility varies. Open Door is represented by Open Door Brokerage Incorporated, license 02061130 in California, and Open Door Brokerage LLC in its other markets. Welcome back, everybody. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 Live uh, from Creekside High School is getting ready for a little baseball. It's going to be Flagler Palm Coast and Mandarin in the District 7A tournament to lead things off. And uh, Oakleaf and Creekside will play a little bit later tonight. So baseball, softball all over the place uh, this week in district fashion. And then the state tournaments get going uh, next week. Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Shack, Stuart Weber, along as well here on a Monday coming off draft weekend. Simple question for you. I wanted to keep you around for this, uh, Weber. Of course, yep. you can stay as long as you want. But if you're a fan... Whose jersey are you buying that the Jags just signed? You can't. Trevor's not an option, right? ETN's not an option. Josh Allen's not an option. But any of the free agents are. They spent $175 million. They just drafted seven guys. Who are you picking? So I will preface this by saying I am, I am very anti-current roster jersey guy uh, because of the fact that you don't know how things are going to age. I always think the best way to go is find your legend who no longer plays the game and, and buy his jersey. That's personal opinion but for the the purpose of this exercise i am going with lawan winningham undrafted free agent out of central arkansas yes he's going to get cut but when he gets cut i will have a jersey that says winning and i'm bringing it into the stadium so there will be winning for the jaguars that's what i'm going with very good lawan winningham somehow i figured you'd go outside the box for this because i wouldn't want to buy any jersey from any of these other guys that's why casey answer the question yeah i can do that uh devin lloyd i like him his energy is good uh just overall i think it was a slam dunk pick i like him seems like a good guy i think he's going to do really good things when they move him around so i'll I'll go devin lloyd i think a lot of people would go devin lloyd 
Just got, just, got, just got one on the YouTube uh, chat. I, now, I will say I'm, I am a big uh, Devin Lloyd fan. We caught up with him on draft night um, in yeah, Las Vegas. Dude. Made sticking around for that first round a, uh, you know, a positive thing because they traded back in. I'm glad we stayed. Yeah, he can quickly become a fan favorite, by the way. He's terrific in your interview. And by the way, I think Trayvon Walker is going to be a fantastic player. Like, I'd buy the guy's jersey. Um, I think actually Mumba will be an interesting one here. I think people will like him. But then you go to the the free agents, and, I mean, don't you get the idea like a Fadakasi could be a lot of fun, like great personality guy in Jacksonville, and then you want guys going to score touchdowns. I think Christian Kirk could be that. I, that's another one to invest in. I like Kirk. I, I think Kirk is coming with a lot of, like, negativity around the contract and not enough talk about what he could do and what he's might be on the verge of doing in his career so i think you can make a case for a lot of these guys i think lloyd would be a favorite there i'd buy walkers in a heartbeat i'd buy kirks in a heartbeat too uh here in jacksonville but it's an interesting one because they've added so many new players like we said earlier in the show 14 new starters out of the 22 23 projected that will play quite a bit uh this year all right, Stuart Weber, we're off to do some TV, Fox 30 and CBS 47 tonight. And, hey, you have to pop back in tomorrow because you're about to embark on another vacation you can tell us about. I will certainly do that uh, Do that on uh, the Tuesday edition of uh, ESPN 690. I'll yeah, pop back be, in tomorrow. You'll but, be on the road again on Wednesday, so make sure you pop by tomorrow. Will do. Uh, for sure. Football at 5 coming up next. Uh, how about the big suspension in the NFL with DeAndre Hopkins? What happened there? How long he's out? And is this... Now turning into a very bad move for the Arizona Cardinals. And maybe a better move for Houston than anybody would have imagined. Football at 5 on the way. Plus my interview with Devin Lloyd Saturday at TIAA Bank. That's coming up on ESPN 690.